Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. Well, it is great to see you guys. It's great to, to be up here. Um, I, I love Tuesday nights. It's such, so much energy and so much life-giving for, for me. But you know what? I got to be honest with you guys, and this goes along with tonight's message. Um, ministry can be tough. Ministry can be really tough. You know, we've been going through the first chapter of Colossians. We're going to finish chapter one tonight. Um, so Seth has that up there. Thank you. Seth, my iPad, for some reason, decided to update. So it is, Seth's still not back there. Um, it, so Rowan, can you actually move over and do the slides? So yeah. thank you, Rowan. So my iPad decided to update randomly right now. Um, it's one of those things as a pastor that you never want to happen. It's like if I really had to go to the bathroom right now or something, it's just like one of those things you pray, God never like let that happen while I'm on the pulpit, you know, because it's just like, I, I don't know, man. It's one of those bad things. But we've been going over Colossians. Uh, we've been going over Colossians. And we're, like I said, we're finishing chapter, chapter one tonight. Um, and the whole theme of chapter one, the whole theme of chapter one has been the truth, right? The, the truth about the gospel and Christ, right? The truth about the gospel and Christ. Last week, it was just the truth about Jesus, right? The truth about who Jesus is. You guys, can, if you missed the last couple of teachings on Colossians, you can go back to the Jesus Famous Youth Teaching Podcast, and you can find those teachings if you want to go back on them. Remember, guys, I always put my notes in the back for you and basically so you can study over and look over and know what Pastor Josh is talking about as he goes through this. But last week was the truth about Jesus, and then this week as Paul finishes chapter one, it's the truth about ministry, the truth about ministry. And so like I was saying, like I love youth group, I love ministry as it, as it is, I love youth ministry, but it can, it can be, it can be tiring, it can be hard at times. And I want you guys to capture this right now, okay? Because when you guys hear ministry, when you hear that of a man or a woman in ministry, right, what, what do you think about? Okay, me, all right? I'm a full-time pastor, right? Do you guys ever wonder, like, what does Josh do the other 38 hours of the week? Do you guys ever wonder? <laughs> Mary, that was a legit thought. Like, like, you've actually considered that. What does Josh do the other 38 hours of a week? Yeah, that's good. What? I, I probably should work at Costco. I'm there enough. I shop there enough. Yeah. One of the cool things is the church credit card doesn't work at Costco, so I could use my own, so I get all those points, which is awesome. Um, just a little guilty pleasure there, you know. So anyone else? What, what else do you think about? When you hear of a man or a woman in ministry, what do you think about? Yeah, it's me. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. What else? Cyril, what do you think about? It's not a wrong answer. <laughs> what? Sir, you talk so much. Like, how are you quiet right now? <laughs> what? Leader. Okay, leader. Okay, Mika. Okay, they're filled with okay, kindness, compassion. Okay, but just ministry. Yeah, Mary. <laughs> the awkward side hug. Yes, we. Yeah, me and the, me and the, hey, Jameer's here. Hey, Jameer, what's up? Did you hear my comment earlier? 
Oh, cool, perfect. Okay, good. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jameer? Go ahead, man. Someone that's caring, okay. All right, what about ministry? Just the term ministry. Maybe not someone in ministry, but just ministry as it, as it is. How do, you, how do you guys picture that? What comes to mind with that? What? Preaching, Preaching. okay, what else? Church. Church, okay. What else comes to mind with just ministry? Yeah, Kylie. Work, yes. Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> Peaches. I love it. I love it. Okay. Yes. Rowan, I'm good. I got control over my screen again now. Okay. So all these things are great. All these things are great. They're, they're on point. Shh. But what I want you guys to think as we start this, this teaching on the truth about ministry tonight is I want you to think about this because none of you guys said it, but I want you to think of yourself in ministry. Yourself, who you are, as God has made you, where you're at, even as a middle schooler or high schooler, I want you to put your place, yourself, in that place of ministry. Because the fact is, the bottom line is, you guys, if you call yourself a Christian here tonight, then you are called to ministry. Because ministry is not the guy on stage preaching, right? Ministry is not necessarily only the the pastor that's full-time, Right? Ministry isn't only the one who does prayer ministry or one that's on the mission field or the usher. Right? Ministry is basically what you're called to do as a Christian. It's what you are called to be. You are called to be a man or a woman of God that ministers to the world around them. And so as Paul writes these couple verses, we're just going to go through from verse 24 to 29 tonight. But the fact is, as Paul writes this, he wants the church in, in, in Colossae to understand that, that they as Christians are called to ministry. And he does not sugarcoat it for them. Sometimes, you know, and I've been in that position where I've taken a position at a church where I, I talk to the pastor and they're like, man, it's, it's like a 747 ready to take off. It's fueled and it's been checked over. The tires are ready. It's on the runway. It just needs a co-pilot. And you show up and it's like, no, this church has PTSD. There are no wheels on this plane, right? Like, like there's a wing missing, right? It, there's no sugarcoating in what Paul is talking about here tonight because he wants the, the Christians that he's writing this letter to he wants them to understand that they are called to ministry. In the same way as I speak to you guys tonight, as I, as I challenge you tonight with this teaching, I want you to understand that every one of you are called to ministry. Now, it does not have to look, at, look like what I do or what Pastor Nate does or what Denise Buck does or any other person that you see that's on staff at church. It doesn't have to look like that. You, though, are called to minister. You are called to serve Jesus in that way. Don't mistake that. Don't, don't take that lightly. If you call yourself a Christian, you are called to be a minister, okay? Now, I want this set to kind of be the, the overview tonight. I want that to be just kind of like where we're going. Now, let's lead, read the text, and we'll get going with the teaching, okay? You guys good with that? All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29 is what we're reading tonight. And then Paul finishes chapter 1 by saying, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26, where's it at? There it is. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, him we proclaim, warning 
everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Father, we thank you so much for this night. We give you praise. God, we give you glory for what you're doing in us and through us. Spirit, we pray that you would be in us right now. You would be working through us. You would be softening us. You would be convicting us as we go through this word. As we read about the truth of ministry, God, we ask and pray that you would call us deeper into this place of faith and serving you, Jesus. We give you praise and worship in your name. Amen. All right, so Paul lays this out, finishing chapter one, but yet giving them what the truth of ministry is. And hopefully some of these words that that are standing out to you right now will kind of hit on them tonight. But first and foremost, you guys, the main idea of tonight is that that ministry is is the hand, is the hard working of bringing all believers to maturity in Christ, okay? Yeah, I've seen pastors look like that, right? Like, I'm not at 20 years yet, but I will be, and I'll look like Samuel Jackson. So (laughs) I'll never look like Samuel Jackson, but like... (laughs) But the idea, why? (laughs) All right, but the idea, you guys, is that if you look at these five verses that Paul lays out, he's saying that ministry is the hard work of bringing all believers to maturity in Christ. Like, this is the idea of what ministry is. And if you look at even the root of what youth ministry is, what, what I have done here for the last six years, for the last 18 years of my life, when you look at why these leaders come here, it is the hope, it's the prayer, it's the constant pressure of pushing you, of leading you, of guiding you to a, more play, a place of more maturity, a place of more growth. That's the whole point. If you come in here as a sixth grader, and I, got, I have you for seven years, or a youth pastor has you for seven years, and if Mary Hooper was the same that she was when she was, came in in sixth grade, there would be issues. If I allowed her, or my leaders allowed her to stay as she was when she came in at sixth grade, we would have issues. We wouldn't be doing what we're called to do. But I can tell you, Mary is a more mature human being, a more mature created woman of God than she, today than she was when she came in at sixth grade, right? For, for instance, literally, there was about two years there where she was bloody after every youth group, right? Like, and that wasn't my fault. She just bled. She just crashed into things and bled all the time. But anyway, the thing is, you guys, shh, the thing is, the, the whole purpose of ministry, the whole purpose of what we do for one another, what the body of Christ is there for, is to push each other to this place of maturing in Jesus, to knowing God more. To, to, to understanding God more, to living more like him. And this is Paul's heart. And so that's why tonight is this truth about ministry. It's the idea of us maturing in Jesus together. And that's what this is about. See, I would be a fool to think that I haven't matured over the last six years. That I've, I've, as I've gotten to be the youth pastor here and, and disciple kids and raise kids and get to be a part of their life in this very special and, and, and humble way, right? like, I've grown because of that. The leaders that I've discipled, the leaders that I've brought in, they've grown me. They've sharpened me. And so we're growing together in this. But this is the whole purpose of ministry, that you and I grow and mature and become more like Jesus each and every day. So get into it, guys. Getting into it. Oh, I got one more slide for you there. There you go. (laughs) Ministry is hard work of bringing all believers uh, to maturity in Christ. Now, I found this quote, which I thought was pretty awesome. The Christian ministry is the worst of all traits or trades but the best of all professions. As I look back over 50 years of ministry, I recall, I recall innumerable tests, trials, and times of crushing pain, 
But through it all, the Lord has proven faithful, loving, and totally true to all his promises. And see, you guys, as we read something like this, as we read a text like this from Paul, what we have to understand is that ministry is hard. Life is hard, right? The church can be difficult. Uh, encouraging and discipling one another and sharpening one another can be, can be hard. But the fact is that the greatest, the greatest treasure in all of it is that through it all, we're serving Jesus. Through it all, we're sacrificing to Jesus. We're giving all to him. We're laying our lives down, as Paul talks about, a living sacrifice before him. And see, when a congregation, as Paul talks about the body of Christ tonight, and we're going to go over that, as a congregation like this, like JFY, chooses to have a culture, chooses to have a community that points to Jesus, even though we're all in different places, we're all sanctified in different ways, we're all growing in different ways, but when we choose as a community to pursue Christ, you guys, like, that is so much treasure. That is so much gold that, that, that this world cannot compare to because we're choosing to follow Christ together. We're choosing to sharpen one another, mature one another, and be in ministry together. It's a beautiful thing, okay? So let's get into this. Verse 24 and 25, Paul then says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. Now let me break this down a little bit because it can be a little confusing as Paul writes sometimes because he's writing in a specific way uh, 2,000 years ago as a Jewish man to a Greek audience and we are Easterners 2,000 years later. But what Paul is basically saying first and foremost is I actually find joy when they're suffering. You have to think that Paul was actually writing this letter to, to the church in Colossae from prison. He was in a Roman jail. He was in a Roman prison as he's writing this. So him saying, I actually rejoice when I am suffering. Like, that's, that's a true statement. That's not a, I mean, we know that Paul wasn't insane, right? He wasn't some masochist that, that enjoyed being punished and enjoyed pain. But he is in a place of saying, I actually find joy when I'm suffering. But not just suffering needlessly, but when I'm suffering, even physical suffering, even physically being beaten down, but I find joy because what it's doing is it's building up the body of Christ. In this ministry that God has given me, even though I'm in prison right now, Paul is saying, I'm finding joy in it because I'm building up the body of Christ, which is you, which is the church. Paul is equating his suffering in a place of prison to serving Jesus, and yet serving Jesus' body, which is the church, which is us. Us being the hands and feet and the embodiment of Christ in the physical world right here and right now. Paul finding joy in that because his suffering was building up and maturing and pushing other Christians to a place of maturity in his modern day. Now, this is such a beautiful heart to have because Paul is basically saying that I am not my own. I am giving up all to be about Jesus. I mean, what an authentic faith. What an authentic man, an authentic person, a disciple of Jesus. Then in verse 25, he says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Paul here is saying in verse 25, I was made a minister not because of, of my great talents, not because of my great abilities, not because of my, the way I spoke or the way that I was eloquent in speech or because of my knowledge and all this all this head knowledge that I had or all this popularity that I came with or, man, my, my charisma, right? Paul didn't have extreme riz. Like, the fact is, you guys, that, that what Paul had, right, what Paul had was he had the backing of Jesus. 
He had the filling of the Holy Spirit in him, and because of that, he could claim to be a minister. But not a minister for his own good or his own deeds, but a minister for the church, right, because of God. This is ministry. If you call yourself a Christian here tonight, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and in that, you are called to be a minister, okay? Now, this is the truth about authentic ministry or discipleship to Jesus. First off, we, we see in these couple of verses, it involves suffering, okay? It involves suffering. Like, this is just a part of life. I mean, even without being a Christian, you guys, without being in, in Jesus, life is just hard. <laughs> life is difficult. Life is hard. I mean, being a teenager is, it's not fun. I would not go back to being an eighth grader for a million dollars. Like, I wouldn't. I don't, I know, a billion dollars, right? I was like, no. <laughs> I was so emotional and so mad and just so, like, like, I just wasn't happy, okay? But life is just difficult at, without Jesus. But see, to serve Jesus, what we find is that the suffering now isn't just needless. It's not just a human thing. But the suffering is, is a calling to serve others, right? The suffering is in a place of, like, I am, as Paul, I'm in prison, but yet my faith, as I, as I suffer in a Roman prison, is actually building up the church of God. Again, second, its aim is maturity, Right? We know that to be an authentic ministry or to be an authentic disciple of Jesus, the whole goal is to mature. The whole goal is to grow and mature. I mean, look at, you guys, literally, there's hundreds, hundreds of references to trees and bushes and fruit trees in the Bible, hundreds of them. It's really amazing to do a, to do a study on just trees in the Bible or like bushes or references to things growing. It, it's, really, it's really amazing. It's like God, even in his whole natural plan, how he created all things, where it is all meant to grow. It is all meant to mature. It is all meant to seed and to produce. It's this beautiful thing that God created. And even in us, the reference is, is not lost. Like as Christians, you are meant to grow. You are meant to grow. You know, I use Mary as an example, but the example of, you know, when you were a toddler, right, and you were still pooping in your diaper, that was fine. That was acceptable, okay? But if you were sitting here tonight and still pooping in a diaper, we would have issues, right? We would have issues. I wouldn't shame you, and if you are, I'm not shaming you. But what I'm saying, shh, what I'm saying is that's not maturing. That's not maturing. If you, were, if, if you showed up here to Tuesday night next week and there's like pizza, you're like, no, I'm cool, and you pull out baby food, and be like, hey, we, we need to talk, man. Is that all you eat? Like, is that all? There'd be problems. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go there. But see, the thing is, the goal is maturing, okay? To be an authentic disciple of Jesus, to be an authentic minister to, for Jesus, your goal is to mature. Lastly, it's hard work. It is hard work. Now, young Christians, shh, hopefully you've you got a dad in your life who has shared this with you or a mom in your life who has shared this with you. But if they haven't, let me share this with you, girls. Anything you want in this life, anything that's worth having, takes hard work. It just does, guys. Anything that you truly want in this life, anything that you want to be good at, anything that you want to aspire to be, it takes hard work. It takes dedication. It takes, it takes you taking a step and bringing some, some structure around your life. Anything, whether it's, it's, it's physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional. You want to mature in any one of those realms. It takes hard work. Right? And some of you have natural strength, natural abilities in one area, and something else may be more difficult for you. And it may be vice versa with somebody else in here, and that's fine. 
But the fact is, any of these things, it takes hard work. And the same thing goes with being a maturing minister or disciple of Jesus, guys. If you want to know Jesus, you want to have a relationship with him, you want to grow as a young man or young woman that, that follows after Jesus, then put in the hard work. Step into it. Discipleship, if you choose then to grow somebody else and God brings someone in your path that you are now mentoring and discipling, that takes dedication. It takes hard work, but it's so worth it. It is absolutely so worth it. See, again, Paul wrote this from, a, from, from prison, right? Jesus actually said these words um, that the actual world system will be against us. Like even the world system that, that is, is against Jesus will be against us, right? That's not very easy in John 15, 18 through 20, 21. And also, also what Paul wrote in the book of Philippians was that when we suffer, when we choose to mature, when we choose to walk through this process as disciples of Jesus, what we're actually doing is identifying with Jesus. In Philippians 3.10, Paul talks about how suffering in this life, suffering as a Christian, identifies us with Jesus because he ultimately suffered for us. So really, in essence, what I'm saying here is, is you want to be a Christian? There's going to be suffering. There's going to be hard work, and there's going to be a forced maturity upon you. But you guys, it's so worth it. Every bit of it is worth it because ultimately what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, my life is yours. My life is not my own. I'm a living sacrifice before you. There's mornings, you guys, when I go to pray and I just don't know what to pray for, right? I'm just kind of foggy or I'm tired and I'm on my knees and I'm praying. And, and I just say, you know what, Lord, just take me today. Take me as a living sacrifice. And I just envision myself putting myself upon a, like a Jewish altar as a living sacrifice would have been laid or as a, a sacrifice would have been laid and was saying, God, do with me what you want today. Just, just let, me, let me serve you today. There's times that I go, go to the Lord like that, but ultimately what this is saying is, Jesus, I just want to be yours more than I want to be myself. All right, next verse, you guys, verse 26 and 27, he says, the mystery hidden for angels, the mystery hidden, hidden for, a, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, as Paul continues down this, he kind of, like I said, doesn't sugarcoat it, right? He gives us the hard truth of what ministry is, but then he also gives us that the key to this life is Jesus. The key to this life of ministry, of discipleship, isn't you, isn't me, it's Jesus. Hey, and praise God. Right? I'm, not, I'm not up here, you guys, or you wouldn't be up here because of your ability, but because of your availability before Jesus. Like That's the whole key to this is Jesus is the key. He's the key to maturing. He's the key to being a disciple. It's his strength. It's him working through you. Now, this mystery that, that Paul is talking about in, in verses 26 and 27, it's this mystery that God chooses the Gentiles. Now, as Paul writes this, Right? It's, to a, it's to a Jewish church or to a, like a Jewish base of Christians. But he's telling them, that, listen, like, where, where the Jewish people based the whole world population on either being Jew or Gentile. That's what you were. There was no other race. You were either Jew or Gentile. But Paul is saying basically, like, no, God is choosing to use like, the complete outcasts of what we thought he chose in the Old Testament. As God chose the Jewish people in the Old Testament to serve him and be his example, now he's choosing the Gentiles. Right, the church, the Holy Spirit was given to us as well, because I, I don't think I don't think there's anyone that's a pure Sahidic Jew in here. And so the fact is, you are a Gentile. You've been given the Holy Spirit. 
the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, and that's this great mystery that God chooses to use who he wants to use, and, and, and he'll use you in amazing ways. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 6, that this good news that Jesus brings, that the Holy Spirit brings to us, is that God wants to use you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been through in your life. I don't care what scars or what wounds you have or how dumb you think you are. The fact is, if you say, Jesus, use me, Jesus, like, I will go, send me, you guys better watch out, man. That adventure is a, is, is, it's a ride. And he will take you. He will use you. Because ultimately, as Paul finishes verse 27, he says, Jesus, right, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right, the hope of glory. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one building up your salvation. He's the one sanctifying you. He's the one giving you the words and the talents and the gifts to be the minister or the disciple that he's calling you to be. All, all our job is is to say, okay, use me. All right, I'm here. Use me, Jesus. Let me be a part of your kingdom. Let me be a part of your work. And see, the cool thing is, Jesus doesn't just like take us and mold us and shape us and then put us on a shelf as like some trophy. But he uses us for, for, as his hands and his feet to bless people and challenge people and convict people and grow people. And then on top of that, even though it's all Jesus working through us, we then get to experience the glory as well. Right? We then get to go to heaven and experience the glory of Jesus using us, of being well done, of being like good, faithful servants for him. It's such a beautiful process that Jesus gives us. And so as Paul gives us the hard truth, he then gives us the beautiful truth of that we are then being used by Jesus in amazing ways and we get to experience that glory. And then lastly, in verse 28 and 29, as he finishes, he says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom what we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Now, authentic ministry isn't just about suffering. It's also about hard work. And I want to hit on this again. Maybe you're like, Josh, I'm done with the hard work. And I, I, but I'm not saying it. Paul's saying it. <laughs> He's bringing it back around to this. But what I want you guys to get in this, okay? He says, he says we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone. Paul is laying this out that, listen, like, Telling truth to people is hard. When you have a friend that isn't walking with Jesus and they're living a life that you know is not, one, honoring God, one, or two, it's not safe for them, and three, you know like the outcome of it is gonna be tragedy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be wreckage. When you have a friend in your life that you know the path they're on, it leads to destruction. That's hard to tell them the truth. It's hard to go to that friend and say, hey, you know I love you. You know I care about you deeply. We have a relationship. We trust each other. And I got to tell you that this path you're taking, this relationship you're, you're getting into, this material you're watching, this thing that you're, you're obsessing over or this thing you're identifying with, it leads to destruction. It leads to a place that is not healthy for you. It's toxic. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. And so Paul here, it's not just a physical hard work of discipling young men or young women, but it's the idea, you guys, of just speaking truth. As Paul says, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. It takes a lot of courage to be a Christian, you guys. And the generation you guys are growing up in where we are called to speak truth and love and we're to stand by a biblical, a biblical wisdom, a biblical worldview where, where truth is not relative. Truth is truth. The fact is that, that like, you are growing up in a world that it's, it's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. I just wanna, I want to, to honor that, 
I want you to, to know that, that as I look upon you and your generation, you, 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 most of you guys are Gen Zs. It's crazy. Um, a lot of you guys. Um, as I look upon your generation, I look upon young men and young women that are choosing to say, Jesus, serve, I, like, use me. I will serve you. That's going to be a hard choice, and it's going to be harder as you get older. But I want to encourage you that there is such, there is such reward in the toil and the struggling that Paul talks about here. As he talks about labor, right, it's to work to the point of exhaustion. And if you think about it, all the things you could do with your life, all the things you could achieve, all the things that you could, you could really build yourself up to, right, the, the 60 plus hours of work, the, the, the you know, degrees and the, all the things that you could do, what is worth your time? What is worth your energy? What else would be worth the work all the way to exhaustion other than serving Jesus? Other than saying, my day, and, and you may not be in church, and you may not be in church ministry, and that's okay. You may have a, a secular job, but at the end of the day, when you lay your head down and you're tired and you're beat, can you say, today I served Jesus? Right? I was an accountant, I was a cop or a firefighter, I was in the military, or I was a nurse, but at the end of the day, when I lay my head down, I served Jesus as a nurse. I served Jesus as a cop. I served Jesus flipping burgers in and out. I served Jesus in what I did today. See, you guys, at the end of the day, when we have labored for Jesus, it didn't matter necessarily what the toil was, but did you serve Jesus? Second there, Paul says, struggling, like a literal agonizing. Paul was willing to struggle for the faith. And when we step up and we say, Jesus used me, and Jesus calls you to be a witness in the world around you, like you will struggle. You will have tension points. You will have a place where you, you are agonizing because your heart is breaking for friends that you know that don't know Jesus and are saying, I don't want Jesus. And if they were to die tonight, they would go to hell. Like that brings us to a place of struggling. That brings us to a place of agonizing. Do I, do I share my faith? Do I live for Jesus in a real way to where I struggle when I pray for my brother, my brother, my physical brother that does not know Jesus and completely denies him, actually mocks him? When I pray for him, am I in a place of agonizing for him because I want him to know Jesus so much? I want him to know his Savior so much, you guys. And see, when you come to this place of maturing in Jesus, when you come to this place of maturing and being an authentic disciple, you start to find yourself really hurting over the lost. You find yourself hurting over those who do not know your Savior, who do not know the reward that you'll receive one day for serving Jesus in this way. Lastly, you guys, the good news is that this hard work is motivated and enabled by God's energy, which is so powerful working in us. As Paul finishes in 29, saying, I toil, I struggle, but with all his energy, right, that he powerfully works within me. Ultimately, again, as we kind of finish this teaching, you guys, it's not your strength. It's not your power. It's by the working of the Spirit in you. This was really hard for me to learn as I grew up, as, a, as I grew in my Christian faith. And I'll tell you, even this step of faith as my family and I, as we, as we plan and as the Lord calls us to move to Chiang Mai, Thailand, <laughs> the fact is, you guys, like God very audibly, very audibly through this, 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 this process has told me, it's not you, Josh. You cannot work enough. You cannot like talk to enough people, you cannot be the guy who takes your family to Chiang Mai, Thailand. It has to be me. And it's very much convicted me to be this kind of hands-off, kind of like 
no stress. Like, I'm riding the wave. If God wants us to go to Thailand, he will provide. And you guys, every time he's had a door open, we step through faithfully, knowing that God will be on the other side, and he's provided up to this point. And, and I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, youth group, let this be a testament of God's faithfulness to us, of him working in you and I. When you see the Shivalis in Chiang Mai, and you know it was not because Josh is a hard worker. It's not because Erica whipped him until he worked harder. It's not, not because, you guys, it's not because, like, they were really smart and they were really business-minded and they were able to, to get all kinds of people to give money. You guys know that it was because God's power, right, was working in us. God's power was working in us to send us. And I want that to be such a testament to you of God using, not because of our abilities, right? Not because we're this awesome people, but because of our availability of saying yes to Jesus. And we're willing to do the hard work to get to that point, you guys. Now, ultimately, let's finish with a couple applications. I just wanted this to be a broad one tonight because this idea of ministry it's not like you're going to walk out of here tonight and be like, I'm a minister tonight. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a minister tomorrow. It's a process. It's you maturing in Jesus. It's you saying each day, Jesus, make me a faithful disciple today. Make me a minister for you today. And then as he says, gives you a little thing to do, say yes to it. You do it. Right? I guarantee God's not going to call you to Chiang Mai tomorrow. Okay? But he may 10 years from now. He may call you the mission field. He may call you to a place of of physical church ministry or some type of, of nonprofit ministry. He may one day, but I guarantee you, he's just asking you to love the people around you tomorrow. He's asking you just to maybe, maybe stop lying, maybe not steal, maybe not cheat, maybe stop hating that person in your mind, maybe stop lusting in your heart. He's asking you to do those little things that will lead to the place where the big thing comes. You're like, all right, God, let's do this thing. So it's a process. And so first off on Sunday, right, I just want you to, to thank God for these blessings, okay? For the blessing of his salvation. On Sunday, his grace. Just his grace. Like, just take Sunday and thank God for his grace upon you. Something you didn't earn, something you didn't achieve, you, didn't, you don't deserve it, but yet you've received God's grace. On Monday, thank you for rescuing you. Thank him for rescuing you from sin and from hell and from damnation, but into a relationship with God. On Tuesday, thank him for the inheritance. We talked about this in the first part of Colossians, how you and I have an inheritance with Jesus. Right? Wednesday, redemption, right? that he's redeemed you, that you are no longer just this dirty sinner, but when God looks upon you, he sees a perfected being because God or Jesus has redeemed you. Thursday, thank him for his forgiveness and how he just loves you unconditionally how his forgiveness on you is unconditional and how every time we sin, we can go to him and we say, Jesus, forgive me, and he does. And ultimately how he forgave all sins on the cross. Friday, reconciliation, right? That you now have the ability to have a relationship with the God that created you. Where for, for, for all of eternity, we could have been separate from him, but now we have been reconciled to him because of the cross. And lastly, hope. Just thanking him for his hope. And this world is so lost, you guys. This generation has so many hurts, but yet we can pray and thank God for hope. All right, lastly is our small group questions there. All right, what is the relationship between faith in Christ and love for the saints? What kind of prayers do you make for your church? And then lastly, what have you learned about Jesus from Colossians 1? How would you teach this to a new Christian? Okay, so Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing here tonight. God, we thank you that you're using us in amazing ways, God, that we, all we have to do is say, Jesus, use me, take me, 
and you will step in and you will guide us and you will mature us and you'll make us the Christian that you're calling us to be. So we praise you. God, we just uh, thank you for what you're doing. And um, Lord, God, you're good. Lord, just as we even pray right now, I just want to thank you, one, for your grace over us. Lord, I want to thank you for, for rescuing us, Jesus, from, from hell, from damnation, from ourselves. Jesus, I want to thank you for, for your inheritance over us, that we have inherited a life with you, not just here physically, but a spiritual one. Jesus, thank you for redemption. Thank you that, that there was nothing good in me, but yet because of you in me, Jesus, I can be redeemed. I have redemption. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for reconciliation, Lord. That you've reconciled us to where I can speak to you. I can speak to the Father right here and right now. And lastly, thank you for hope. Thank you that we as the church, we as Christians, can offer true hope in you, Jesus. So Lord, we give you this night, give you small groups as we, as I believe we're worshiping one more song. And um, God, we just give you praise in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.